0: Take God's Word and turn with me, please, to Isaiah chapter 40, and we enter into the part of the book of Isaiah, not to say that the first 39 chapters were not encouraging, but in the first 39 chapters, uh, the Lord was disciplining His children who were wayward. But now something happens between chapter 39 and chapter 40, And it opens with the word comfort. And from then on, almost to the end of the book, it's primarily encouraging. How many of you need to be encouraged anytime? Anybody out there? All right. Well, I think you're going to like the rest of this year. All right. All right. When you think of God, what comes to your mind? How do you picture God? Maybe you think of him as the austere creator of the universe, one who is omniscient, that knows everything, one who is omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. How many of you moms wish you could have some of that? How about that? Yeah. Do you think of a powerful king exalted on a glorious throne when you think about God? He's all of that and so much more. He defies description. He is the master and the maker of all the earth and all the universe. He's perfect in his purity and great in his glory. Our God is an awesome God. He is permanently present, always available. Aren't you glad that you can talk to him anytime? Anytime. He's mighty in mercy. He still saves sinners. He's the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the one who sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. He is the thrice holy God before whom Isaiah bowed and said, Holy, holy, holy. I don't know if he knew it or not, but he was saying, Holy is the Father, holy is the Son. Holy is the Spirit of Almighty God. He's the one that the angels bow and adore. And He's the judge before whom you and I will appear and give an account for the life that we've lived on this earth. And He knows everything about you. I said He knows everything about you. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows whether you're zoomed in or zoomed out. He knows if you're thinking about something about this afternoon or something that happened last week, or if you're thinking about His Word, He knows everything about you. He knows every thought in your mind, every word that comes out of your mouth, He knows it before you speak it. Don't you wish He'd tell you not to speak it more often? He knows your past, He knows your present, He knows your future. He knows where you've been, he knows what you've done. He knows where you're going. He already knows what you're going to do. There's nobody like him. He's in a class and a category all by himself. He doesn't need anybody, yet he loves everybody. Isn't that something? He created unique, uniquely. Nobody has your fingerprint. Nobody has your life. He created you in your mother's womb, and when you came out of her womb, he breathed into you your first breath of life, and he has sustained you ever since. He's watched you grow up, he's watched you mess up, and he's listened to you fess up. God is a good God. He wants you, if you don't know him, to be born again. He wants you to repent of your sins, to believe in His Son, Jesus, and receive Him as your Lord and Savior. He wants to show you love. He wants to show you mercy and kindness. He's not angry with you, but He does demand that you obey Him. And if you reject Him, He will reject you. But if you receive Him, He will receive you. He wants to save you. And take you to heaven. And today I want to tell you. Our God. Is the God. Who comforts us. Are you comfortable right now? Well you're going to be more comfortable before you leave. All right. Isaiah chapter 40. Where does comfort come from? It comes from God. God. First of all, comfort comes from God's pardon. When God forgives you of your sins, that's a kind of comfort that nobody else can give you. Only God can do it. Look at verse 1. Comfort, oh, comfort. When he puts oh in there, I mean, that's that's adoration at its highest point. Comfort, oh, comfort my people, says your God. Chapters 1 through 39 are... Isaiah primarily rebuking and warning sinful Judah. But beginning at chapter 40, God stops rebuking somewhat. Now, he'll give a little rebuke every once in a while, but it's primarily encouragement from here on. And he's giving his people hope for the future. He's saying, comfort, comfort my people, Isaiah. Comfort them, console them, help them to take a deep breath. And to relax and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. It's to rest in His righteousness, to surrender to His lordship. The Lord spoke these words of comfort through Isaiah to His people at Judah who needed to hear a kind word from their God. And then God went on to give Isaiah another word. He said, Speak kindly. To Jerusalem. Call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received of the Lord's hand double for her all her sins. Speak kindly to Jerusalem. Call out to her. Don't just call her out on her sin. Now it's time to call out to her. Tell her that her warfare has ended the battle is over the rough times are about to become good comfort oh comfort my people your iniquity has been removed God has forgiven you he has cleansed you the war is over the struggle has ended and he says she Judah my people have received of the Lord's hand double for all their sins. He gave them a double spanking. Some people say, Does God believe in spanking? All you got to do is get saved to find that out. He'll spank you in a heartbeat if you mess up. Then He'll hug you so much you'll forget the spanking. But He will spank you, He will discipline His children. And if you're out there sinning and getting away with it, it's because you don't belong to Him. One of the sure signs that you're saved is when you mess up, he spanks you. He disciplines his children. He doesn't discipline the devil's children. He disciplines his children. But he then comforts us from God's burden. I know what what it's like to get a double spanking. Some of y'all don't even know what a spanking is. I grew up on it. My mother, one time, I did something, don't know what it was. If I knew, I wouldn't tell you. But she spanked me. She she was just mad. And she was washing dishes. And she got back over and she was slamming those dishes around. And she was talking. She got mad again. She spanked me again. Back then, you just took it, amen? Thank God that they loved you enough to do it. Spanked me twice for the same thing. That wasn't fair. Well, I'm sure that I, she owed me one. Amen. God, has he ever comforted you with the pardon of your sins? You ever been set free from chains of sins? You ever had that load taken off of you and thrown over and rolled over on Jesus Oh, it's so comforting when God pardons you. It's the greatest day of your life when you get saved and Jesus forgives you for all of your sins. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, has been nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. Oh, when you get saved, God will comfort you. Comfort comes from God's pardon. Comfort also comes from God's presence. Comes from God's presence. Look at verse 3. A voice is calling, clear the way. For the Lord in the wilderness makes smooth in the desert a highway for our God. God doesn't just show up. Put that verse back up there. That's a good one. Please. God comes. He goes where he's invited and he stays where he's welcome. And when he comes, he will clear the way. and We're supposed to clear the way for the Lord. We're supposed to prepare for the Lord. Now, if you know your Bible, you know your New Testament, these words were about the ministry and the preparatory work of John the Baptist. He was supposed to clear the way for Jesus. He was the first prophet to preach in Israel for 400 years, since Malachi. He prepared and paved the way for Jesus' ministry, and John never pointed to himself. He said, Jesus must increase, I must decrease. That's a great way to preach. So John built a smooth highway for Jesus to walk upon. But Isaiah's prophecy was hundreds of years before John, and it had a future meaning, but it had a present meaning as well. And he was saying to the people of Judah, there's an application here, I'm telling you, God is paving the way for you, people of God. He's preparing the way for you and paving the way for you to return to your Lord. I want to say this to you. That's what the church of the Lord Jesus Christ needs to do. We need to quit messing around with all this fussing and fighting and division. And we need to return to the Lord. Return to the Lord. We need to forgive our enemies whether they ask for it or not. Ask God to bless them because Jesus said so. were to me claps on that one. No, it's too late, too late, too late. God said, I'm going to lead you out of a spiritual wilderness. And then he said, let every valley be lifted up. Every mountain and hill be brought low. Let the rough ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. God's people were discouraged. They were down. They were in a valley of despair. God said, let every valley be lifted up. They were facing problems. They looked like mountains, but God is a mountain-moving God. He said, let every mountain and hill be brought low. The road upon which they were traveling in life had been rough and bumpy. And God said, let the rough ground become a plain and the rugged terrain, a broad valley. God told him, he said, I'll go with you. I'll be with you in the good times, but I'll be with you in the bad times. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed. That's what we need. The glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord is Jesus, but we need the glory of God to shine on our churches, and all flesh will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. John had given the preparatory ministry to clear the way for Jesus. But in Isaiah's day, God promised the people of Judah, I'm going to do it for you. And you know what I think he's telling us today? He's going to do it for us. He'll do it for you. God loves you, and the glory of God will be revealed to Judah, God says. His people are going to be comforted by his presence. Don't you like to be around people that you love? Don't you like to hear their voice? My wife was gone. She left on Thursday, came back this morning. I picked her up this morning. I called her. She called me. We probably called each other six times a day. You say, why? Was there something wrong? No. No. The reason we called is everything's right. Right. <laughs> I just like to hear her voice. I like to hear her breathe. And that was good. It was good to talk on the phone, but I tell you what, it was a lot better. She's even better in person. Amen? Let me tell you something. It's wonderful to hear the voice of God, but oh, to be in His presence. Oh, to be in His manifest presence. How do you describe the presence of God? How do you describe that? I'm talking to people today that are in tough situations. You say, where is God, pastor? Where is God? My marriage is a mess. Where's God? My money is messed up. Where's God? My finances are messed up. Where's God? My health is messed up. I'm I'm sick. Where is God? I have problems at work. Where's God? I've had a problem with my Children, where is God? You're going through a deep valley. Life is like a dry desert. It's like a tall mountain that you don't feel like you can climb. But one day, you're going to look back and say, that was a tough time, but Jesus brought me through. Jesus does that we're going to see three chapters later in isaiah 43 just give you a little word about the future here he says but now thus says the lord your creator o jacob and he who formed you o israel do not fear for i have redeemed you i've called you by your name you are mine when not if when you pass through the waters. God doesn't say you're never going to go through a problem. He says you're going to go through a problem, but he's going to go through that problem with you. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you and through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through fire, you will walk through fire before you go to heaven. If you're a Christian, you will not be scorched for the flame. Nor will the flame burn you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. I am your Savior. I don't know what trial you're going through, but I know who's walking through that trial with you. God Almighty is holding you in His sovereign hand. Even if you have a wayward teenager, even if it's your marriage, whatever, even if it's your health, one thing God won't do: He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. Exodus thirty-three, fourteen. God said to Moses, "My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest." The Lord said in Deuteronomy thirty-one, verse eight. This is one of my favorite verses. Would you read it with me, please? the Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Stop just a minute. Keep that one up there. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you and then he'll be with you. Now, how can he do that? How can he be way over there up ahead of me and back here with me? Because he's God. He's everywhere at all times. He's ahead of me he's with me, he's behind me, he's above me, he's beneath me, and praise God, he's within me. Amen? God is a God who loves us and his presence gives us great comfort. Thirdly, comfort comes from God's promises. Oh, the word of God. Don't you love the word of God? Two of you do. I'm going to preach out of it anyway. I'm just for those two, all right? Verse six, not too late. Verse six. A voice says, Call out. Then he answers, What shall I call out? All flesh is grass. All its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers. The flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Isaiah said there's a difference between people and the word of God. The people are grass, they're flesh, they're humans, they're like the grass of the field. All flesh, verse 6, is grass oh Isaiah's listeners in Judah oh they thought they were somebody God said y'all look like a bunch of grass Now wouldn't you just love it if somebody come in and say you know I've been looking at you and you know what I think you look like I think you look like grass <laughs> fancy grass no just grass out in the field just common grass Not the fancy sod on the king's lawn. Just plain old grass out in some unknown field. I got news for us all. Apart from Jesus, we're no big deal. We're just like grass. And like grass, all people, even the most beautiful, eventually die and fade away. Verse 7 the grass withers. How many of you know that? We wither. Does anybody know that we wither? Has anybody lived long enough to wither a little bit? Anybody out there? Some of y'all don't like that either. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of our God stands forever. Just like the grass and the flowers... Our lives were not gonna last very long. Even if you live 70 or 80 years, I read that in Psalms this morning, my quiet time. But the Lord lives on forever. He never fades away. Even the beautiful ones among us, the flowers. Oh, there's some flowers out there. And there's some weeds like me, amen. Oh, there's flowers, Pretty, pretty, oh, so pretty. But in time, you're going to grow old. You're going to wither away. But the Lord is the eternal rose of Sharon. He's always the lily of the valley. He's not like us. He doesn't wither. He doesn't go away. By the way, it was our sin that caused the withering. So don't blame God. And Then God's word and his promises last forever. Look at verse 8. Oh, this is so good. Read it with me, please, off the screen. Do we have that up there? Read it with me. The grass withers, the flower fades, but, read it out loud now, the word of our God stands forever. How long? The word of our God stands. It arises. It stands up. Man can come along with some silly idea, some sinful idea about how life ought to be, and God's word will stand up and correct it. And it's time for God's Word to be preached and taught so that the Word of God can cum; It can stand up. Hebrew word is kum, to stand up, to arise. The world doesn't need less of the Word of God. The world needs more of the Word of God. And the Word of our God standeth forever. People Who don't know the Lord their words are passing away but God's word in scripture never passes away his promises never pass away aren't you glad for the promises of God I just thought of a few of them I could have written 50 I'll just give you five aren't you glad for this promise for God read it with me For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. How many of you are glad that whoever believes in Jesus has eternal life? Let's thank God for the promise of God. Amen. Oh, there's another one. There's another one. How about about this? John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, read it with me. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. You can't bypass Jesus and get to God. You'll never know God if you don't know Jesus. There's only one way. Oh, well, that's just limited. That's just closed-minded. Oh, I want to tell you something. I'd rather be closed-minded in the sense that I believe what the Word of God says than so open-minded all my brains fall out. Amen? I'm going to believe what the Bible says, and the Bible says he is the way The truth, the life, and then that's just Hebrew parallelism. He explains what he means. Nobody comes to God unless they come through him. Oh, I thank God for that promise. Don't you love this one? Romans 8, 28. And we know, everybody say, I know it. We know that God causes all things. Everybody say, all things. He causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his promise, purpose. How many of you had something bad happen to you in the last few months? Anybody? Some some of y'all need to get your hand up. Not talking right. Let me tell you something. Look at me. God is so awesome, he can even take that and turn it into something good. Our God is a big God. That's a small way to talk about him. He takes everything and makes it into something good. Psalm 23, verse 6. Aren't you glad this one is in the Bible? Read it with me. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and loving kindness, mercy. That's what I want. I want God's goodness. I want His mercy. I don't want what I deserve. I want mercy. (laughs) And his goodness and mercy, you just walk around me. You say, Brother Steve's over there standing by himself. No, I'm not. Goodness and mercy are always with me. They just walk, we just walk around together, you know. Hey, goodness. Hey, mercy. How, oh, you're mercy. Okay, good. Oh, well, I'm just glad you're both with me. Amen. Just everywhere I go, goodness and mercy. And then when I die, I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One big worship service. If you can't handle an hour and a half, you're not going to be able to handle heaven. Amen? You better get used to it. (laughs) What are we going to do? I know this, we're going to be praising his name. I know this, we're going to be bowing at his feet. I know this, we're going to be crying out with the angels, holy, holy, holy. I don't know what else we'll do, but you know what? It'll all be good. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, Jesus is coming back. Did you know that? For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. That is, all the Christians who have died, their souls and spirits are already with the Lord, but their body is going to be raised up, a resurrected body reunited with their soul and their spirit. And the Bible says they will be raised up first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up, raptured together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so are thus we shall always be with the Lord. I'm telling you there's a day coming when God will will open up the graves of every Christian and they will go into the air. Their bodies will be reunited with their spirit and their soul. And then we who are alive and remain with them that know Jesus will be caught up, will be raptured, will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And the Bible says, that's a promise from God. You can bank on it. We could stay on this all day, but I got to press on. Verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word, read it with me, but the Word of our God stands forever. Comfort comes from God's promises. God is a God who comforts you. Why don't you spend more time with Him? Why would you watch television more than you read your Bible? Do you think they're going to comfort you? Why would you listen to talk radio? They're just going to make you mad. Why would you listen to all that stuff all the time? Get stirred up. Why don't you get stirred up by the Holy Ghost? Why don't you get in the Word of God? Put down the book of the month. Pick up the book of the ages. Why don't you turn the television off and start praying and talking to God? Spend more time alone with Him. And then spend more time serving other people, helping other people. There's a lot of people out there that need your help. Get your mind off yourself. Get your mind on the Lord and get your mind on other people. Help people. God's the God who comforts us. How does he do it? Comfort comes from God's pardon, from his presence, from his promises. But I got one more. Comfort comes from God's power and all the rest of the chapter is about the power of God. Isaiah knew that God's promises We're true because God is true. His promises are powerful because God is powerful. The rest of this chapter speaks about the almighty power of God. We call God, God Almighty for a reason. I'm just going to walk through it slowly, just read it to you. But I'm going to talk a little bit as I go. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion bearer of good news, lift up your voice mightily. Oh, he is a powerful God. Oh, Jerusalem, bearer of good news, the gospel, lift up, lift it up, don't fear, say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with might. There's his power with his arm ruling for him. Oh, he's a powerful God. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. Oh, he's going to carry you through your problem. He will gently lead the nursing ewes who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. God holds the ocean in his hand. You can't even hardly hold a handful of ocean Just a little bit of that water, but he holds the whole thing in his hand. Oh, he's a powerful God. And marked off the heavens by the span. A span is the full extent of something from the beginning to its end. And this is talking about the universe, the span of the universe, the very boundaries of of that which has no boundary, the boundaries of the universe. God's holding all that in his hand. Oh, he's a powerful. I think he can handle your problem today. He's a powerful God calculated the dust of the earth by the measure, weighed the mountains in a balance and the hills in a pair of scales. Oh, He is a powerful God who directed the Spirit of the Lord, or as His counselor has informed Him. When's the last time you told God something He didn't know? With whom did He consult and who gave Him understanding? And who taught him in the path of justice and taught him knowledge and informed him of the way of understanding? Oh, he's a powerful, all-knowing, omniscient God. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket. God just described the United States and Russia and China and anybody else. We're just a drop in the bucket. We're no big deal. Regarded as a speck of dust on the scale. Behold, he lifts up the islands like fine dust. Even Lebanon is not enough to burn, nor its beast enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare him with? With him, there's no one like him. Oh, he is a powerful God. As for the idol. A craftsman casts it. A goldsmith plates it with gold. A silversmith fashions chains of silver. He who is too impoverished for such an offering selects a tree that does not rot. He seeks out for himself a skillful craftsman to prepare an idol that will not totter. I got news for you. All the idols of this world are nothing compared to God. Oh, he is a powerful God. The Lord is greater than every man made idol. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? He, it is he who sits above the circle that is the totality of the earth, and its in, inhabitants are like grasshoppers. All of us are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He's greater than the universe. Oh, he is a powerful God. He is he it is who reduces rulers to nothing. Who, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. He's greater than any earthly leader. Oh, He is a powerful God. Scarcely have they been planted. Scarcely have they been so- sown. Scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth. But He merely blows whoosh, on them, and they wither, and the storm carries Them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me that I would be his equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high. See who has created these stars, the one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one of them is missing. Oh, he is a powerful God. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice do me escapes the notice of my God? That chance on that? Do you know? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth? He does not become weary. He does not become tired. His understanding is inscrutable. Oh, he is a powerful God. He gives strength to the weary. Oh, he is a powerful God. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. Oh, he is a powerful God. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous men, young men stumble badly yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength oh he is a powerful God they will mount up with wings like eagles oh he is a powerful God they will run and they will not get tired oh he is a powerful God they will walk and they will not become weary oh our God is a powerful God a powerful God And I take comfort in his power.